0: You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023, and I'm your good buddy, Joe. <laughs> and I'm playing the air drums play the, the air drums, theme. Dude, those drums were all over you. Did you have drums upside down over your head? That's how I do my kit. I sometimes <laughs> like that.
1: I can never have enough.
0: Do you ever play, do you know how to play drums? You know, like Uh, the basics of drums. I'm terrible at drums. Terrible. And I consider myself somebody who has rhythm. Like I can dance. Yeah. And I get beats and I can hear beats and do beats well. And when I get behind a drum kit, it's like it starts the way it's supposed to start and then it just bonk, 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 like every drum and cymbal hitting at the same time. I can't do it. Dude, I played piano
1: for like 10 years growing up. I took piano lessons and I taught myself guitar. I could play very passable guitar. Now I'd be like, clunk, clunk, clunk. but, uh, put me in front of drums and it's like alchemy. I don't understand how wow. anyone makes music with drums. It's just no. Like, how do, how do you, how do they make it sound so good? There's yeah. the, you know, I'm a, a slut for, uh, looking at, uh, it, to Instagram and TikTok people. There's this dude that's like, His handle is something like the world's greatest drummer. And it's just like other professional drummers watching this dude and being like, this guy's a magician. And he's amazing. (laughs) He'll be like drumming, smoking a cigarette. And you still hear like 17 things hitting the drum. They're like, how is he doing that? He only has one stick in his hand.
0: It's 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 so incredible. I give a friend of the show, Nick Lowe, a lot of credit because Nick Lowe is a singer and a musician. He knows how to write music he knows he 's trained right? he plays guitar at at like a modest level mm-hmm. uh, he's not an excellent guitarist, but he he can play chords on a guitar and uh he can play some piano you know he knows his way around because he understands music in general well he'd set out to try to learn drums and he had a really hard time at first, and he 's getting better and better, and he 's like kind of good now, so it, a credit to him, but i mean it took it took a lot of work like to just get basic drumming down you know it's a whole different ball game it's a fun skill that'd be something yeah. I'd love to do is like you just you happen to walk into a room with a bunch of people and
1: there's a drum kit and you're like <laughs> hey do you mind if I just take a thunk <laughs> how does this work hold on <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got to do dutch Drake's yeah on i mean me. it is so fun. <laughs> i love this i this like world that you live in in your head is so amazing a world in which you can walk into a random social situation and there's a drum kit in the room
1: <laughs> it works with a piano right like if there's a piano laying around you're right. like hey do you mind if i tickle the ivies and you're like you start playing piano man but with drums at like an elegant uh, like black tie affair <laughs> oh do you mind if i just play an anthrax
0: yeah you might as well like come into a cocktail party with like a bunch of buckets be like i'm gonna play the buckets (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's amazing. Sorry. Uh, uh, real distraction there on Troy's drums. Welcome back, everybody, to the FOD. Uh, exciting week of the FOD this week. Another attempt on our part to do a short FOD. We're going to attempt it. We don't always do so well. But this week, we actually have no GCP episode to talk about. No, we are stupid because it was Thanksgiving week. We took the week off. We didn't have an episode airing. And so we don't have any of uh, that stuff to talk about. We'll, but we'll fill the time Uh, with a bunch of fun stuff. I'm going to talk news this week. It's show week. we got a live show this week. Show week. We're going to talk. We'll finally do a little bit of our Get in the Trunk uh, season finale talk, where we can look back a little bit at the season. And then, uh, of course, listener mail. We'll we'll hear from what you guys have to say. And I want to do something a little fun in listener mail. I want to look at some of these YouTube comments. Last week, we were like, hey, tell us what you're thankful for uh, on YouTube. And I do feel like since this show – Started going on YouTube, which it never really had before, at least at this uh, frequency. We haven't really been addressing those that watched on YouTube and comment on YouTube. And that is extremely appreciated. So I'd love to to shout out some of those folks as well. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's a laid back thought. We don't have to delve into, uh, you know, our poor play or uh, <laughs> the narrative situations of a of a given episode. We can we can put that off till next week. Um, quick news hits at the top. It's PAX Unplugged packs unplugged this week how are you feeling are you uh looking forward to it at all do you think you're going to get any time at the actual convention this year oh yeah yeah i mean the way we have it set up
1: now is we do our live show on friday night uh to get that out of the way so that we can enjoy the rest of the weekend and network and hang out and you know enjoy the con because we're still fans of uh tabletop so this there's no better con besides Gen Con but this is really nice because it's in our backyard we've been to I think every single one right like mm-hmm. we even went to that Everyone. slow COVID one so that's kind of cool too and uh you know where PAX East was my first ever con it's fun to like uh, be such a a uh, big part of the evolution of PAX as well. Um, you know, I wish we had a booth on the floor. We 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 reached out to just kind of kick the tires with that. Not not for this year, but maybe for next year. Uh be, be good to have a presence there, uh like we do at Gen Con, maybe something smaller or maybe the whole booth. But uh yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. Uh this is I mean we couldn't have ended the St. Louis show better. Like I in my head I'm always like trying to set up the next show, but I want to let the show breathe too. And it just worked out perfectly that the Philly show is going to be the perfect show to end the year with. You guys are in a crazy, crazy situation.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the con. I love this one. This is also going to be a little bit of a milestone for me. This will be the first con that I bring my kids to. Yeah. Never done that before. They're they're kind of old enough now to actually walk around, be interested in games and toys of this nature and and uh they can hound me every <laughs> single minute about buying a thousand things. It's it's just so wild you put kids in a place like that and they're going to want to buy Everything. So I think it's going to be mostly just saying no the whole time. But it will be uh, – I'm looking forward to picking up a game with the kids or trying a game yeah. with the kids. You know, It will be fun. Do you think you're going to take your kids to a game convention uh, anytime soon? Uh, how long you got until uh, you're uh, ready to do something like that?
1: I think about it a lot. We just have – we do so much work at the cons that we do go to like – you know, Archer's birthday falls right around Gen Con and next year it kind of overlaps. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe I just take the fam out, watch them setting up the booth. And But like, I, then I think about the amount of work that we have to do. I just like, it'd be really, really hard. But, uh, you know, as we continue to grow, it's nice to have other people do a lot of that work. And then we get to actually, you know, network and do more business and less, I'd say less performance, but that's kind of impossible. It would be nice. I, I think Gen Con would be kind of the first con uh, that I might take the whole fam out to. We always talk about like, well, no, we've made it when we can like, we're flying the whole family out uh, to each of these cons to like yeah, have a little taste at home. Cause one of the hardest parts of being on the road now is, is being away from family. Like when it was just married or you're like, even, even just one kid is kind of like, it was, it was hard, but you, you got used to it. Now it's just like, I feel like I'm leaving so many people
0: behind. Uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to bring them all with us. Yeah. Yeah. It would definitely be nice. We've already been sort of planning, looking forward to what the, potential tour could look like in 2024 and starting to think about making family trips out of that, right? So, like, we get to see each other more when I'm traveling, uh, which which would be great. But
1: And, like, my kids love, like your kids, they love games. And it's yeah. like, I'm not a big game pusher like you are. You're a game pusher. And I just kind of started introducing them to games. It's obviously a big part of my life. And, I mean, Archer especially, I-, I could see he's just constantly, like, coming up with ideas for games. And now Dash is doing the same thing. Like, I've got a game. And Archer is just like, he's a chip off the old block. Like, now he doesn't want. To play the game, he wants to run the game. He wants to be the game master. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's so that started. But, uh, <laughs> you know, now I'm researching all these great, like classic kids' board games. You know, you turned me on to Sleeping Queens, where we love that.
0: Um, we just got out foxed, which is, I'm sure it's you've great. played out just phenomenal uh, game. The kids were literally, I yelled at them to play. I'm sitting there trying to watch the Eagles game. They're climbing all over me, they're getting in my face. So I was just like, just get out foxed and play a game right in front of me on the floor. <laughs> and they were like, can you? play? And I was like, no, I can't play. I'm watching the game. But they played they played right in front of me. Uh, it was great. And my son, Joe, was like cheating. <laughs> he was like doing like, – it's a cooperative game. And he's doing yeah. like the thing where like he – the die didn't come out exactly how he wants. And he's just Turns like, it. ah, we'll just do this anyway. <laughs> and and my daughter is like, no, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting seeing the dichotomy of like how kids want to approach a game. And it's so innate. Like I didn't teach – them one way or another it's like innate some people are like ah it doesn't matter we'll just have fun we'll do this some people yeah. are like you got to stick to the rules like it's just it's just funny yeah but,
1: yeah how, how do you like the uh chronicles of aval that was one that i i researched at gen con and brought home
0: and it's one of the best games i've ever played <laughs> yeah it is it's a great game we we've had a we've had a bunch of games of it i think we've won twice out of like eight attempts you know something like that like Same, it's yeah. it's, diff- it's a challenging game chronicles of aval yeah that, that one's really fun uh, I just played. We got a gift from a great member of the nation, uh, Dungeon, that like the old school Dungeons and Dragons board game for like families. It was like ages eight and up, and I busted that out over the Thanksgiving holiday, and we tried that out, and uh, it was fun. Very simplistic, but it's sort of like you move from room to room, you fight a random monster, and if you beat them, you get treasure, and it's the race to get the most treasure and get back to the start of the dungeon before the other players. So like, it's pretty simplistic, but it was, it was fun. And I I really appreciated that gift. got to play that with uh, my kids. They loved it, but uh, they keep asking me when we're going to play more role playing. Uh, games, and I keep being like, Ah later, later, like that 's not what I feel like doing because i 'm so exhausted after work i, like, I don 't feel like doing that, but like uh, I do need to to do it because they love it so much, yeah, he loves no thank you evil, and i 'm just like yeah. over it now I want to that 's what they keep I'm wanting like, to play and I'm it. Let's like, play i 'm over let 's just
1: play d and d you know because i 'm tired of making up these scenarios it's, you know, and <laughs> I just don 't love the mechanics of it like i 've kind of changed the mechanics to be more uh like a little harder and a little more like closer to d and d and Pathfinder. But uh, now I'm just like, why don't we just make d d
0: characters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get, uh, gotta get there. All right. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Here, I'm gonna spend a little time. I'd like to spend a little time on getting the trunk, and then we'll just talk to the nation. We'll do YouTube comments and listener mail, and then uh, we'll get on our way here. Um, Get in the trunk season five. Uh, this represents the second season. By the way, if you are not caught up, this will have some spoilers probably, but just go ahead and, and skip ahead. I mean, we're not going to spend any more than seven or eight minutes on this. I, I'm i curious uh, to talk to you because, I mean, we have not discussed this at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is we we decided in season four to move forward with a more campaign style of Delta green yep. Delta green can is very much so scenario built. It is sort of short adventures is the main way that people go about playing it. But now they've released a couple campaigns and this one was just an incredible work of art and we really want to do explore it. So we're ostensibly halfway through it. We're, we're at about the halfway point. Now yeah. we're actually in reality, probably a little bit half past halfway of how long it's going to take to finish this thing. Uh, but I I'm, I'm curious if you are enjoying the long term nature of of in in a delta green campaign or if you think that maybe shorter scenarios are the way to play it i don't know how are you feeling right now
1: no i think long term is right i remember the day when impossible landscapes showed up at our old office i said we'll start prepping that and uh, you're like <laughs> shut up and here we are and here uh, we are i i think it's it was the right move you know i do miss that sort of cast turnover i think was 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 nice um you know something i'm constantly thinking about it's such a hot property of ours i th- i think it would be a show that would benefit from being weekly as opposed to seasonal um but with the constraints of budget and and um you know our schedule it just makes it hard and i know that i couldn't commit to 52 weeks you know without some major sponsor stepping in and uh you know, so I've thought about maybe we mix it up. We do a, we do Impossible Landscapes and when a season of that ends, we just do Run Scenarios so there's no gap. Um, but I think that uh, in terms of the, the Get in the Truck brand having a, a longer uh, a longer campaign is, is kind of a no-brainer and I would think that like if another one exists to maybe go right into it uh, when uh, Impossible Landscapes ends.
0: What do you What do you want to see more of? in this campaign? Like, it, what have you liked about impossible landscapes and what do you hope you see more of, uh, in the following seasons? Um,
1: you know, I've talked now a number of times about my dissatisfaction with the system. And, and it, it, I think it boggles people's minds. It's, it's like, it's, it's a very, very different system. And it could be that we're just not using the system to its
0: fullest potential. Um, so oh, well, th- that's certainly true. I mean, when you have talked about this before, I just want to go don't want to go down this road. I think it's kind of uh, boring. But I, I do believe, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. And I don't really see the point in trying to talk you out of your opinion. It's not going to happen. But like, people should probably know that what I'm not saying behind the scenes is that I do feel pretty strongly that, you're seeing my interpretation of the system and how we play this, not the most objective interpretation of the system. You have not had a bunch of different handlers. And I play a very rules light way of playing this because I focus all of my energy on story and narrative and none on game mechanics. I just don't care that much, especially with the players that I have who are fantastic role players and, and improvisers. It's like, I don't want that getting in the way and so I tend to eschew some of those more important things. So there is more depth and crunch and shit to it out there that that I think you would really enjoy. Like, I mean, the mechanics around—I'll just throw one out there—requisitioning Re- equipment is awesome. It's deep. It is complicated, and it can result directly in you going to prison if you screw up roles. You know, yeah. like, and 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 I don't, I don't. I mean, I that doesn't do interest it. me. Yeah, that exactly. Like, me. I'm sure it's a really it.
1: cool system. I think just something as simple as, um, pu- having pushed roles, being able to spend luck and having gradations of success. That, that, that is what I really enjoy about Call of Cthulhu. Cause I find what happens a lot is that we are either rolling and failing all the time because we've got like four skills that we can actually do anything in that very rarely improved any significant, uh, number. Or like you are stuck having to be like, all right, uh, 15 minutes pass roll again because you've got you've got to move the story along and you know we we just we're not passing the roles and so I just feel like the roles become uh sort of insignificant um at in a certain point so then it's just storytelling and when it gets to that it can be very very hard where you have a structure a story that's pre-written that you've obviously added so much to with the help of the other two guys that you're working with um and we're contributing to that but but i think that you have to like kind of keep us on the tracks and so when you and it's i mean you let us go rogue as well but like ultimately you've got to get us back on tracks so when you take out the importance of roles and the need to kind of stay in some on some sort of train track it just uh it sometimes feels very limiting as a player like i feel like i feel like nothing really matters and that's kind of why i like playing roger the way i do where I'm just digging into the relationships with the other characters, and uh, you know his sort of own personal problems, and just letting the story sort of unfold around me, mm-hmm. um, which is a different way of playing. You know, I because I, I, I feel like if when I try to actively engage with the story, it's a coin toss, but it's like it, it very rarely results in uh, anything that. That that feels like I'm moving the story forward. I feel like the story is going to move forward regardless and the roles are just there so that it, it seems like we're playing a
0: role-playing game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really extreme interpretation that could be applied to any pre-written campaign in any system. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like ultimately, you got to get on some kind of a track and there's and there's certainly failings in my part there that you know you can work on you certainly don't want players feeling that way and so that's always something that you can you can work on one can work on i can work on but i think that it's i think interacting directly with the story i think the challenge really that you're facing with something like a delta green is that deep mysteries uh, in deep mystery investigation is so complicated to run because if players are just stupid, you have to handhold them to the answer. And they're all like puzzles. And so it's like if you don't think like an actual investigator thinks, then you're going to have to get handheld at some point into yeah. how these things get done. Because otherwise, you'll just die or go to prison or the story will never happen. Now, that might not be the worst thing. Um I think that I, I've certainly been open to you guys being arrested. I've been open to characters dying a hundred percent it's not something that I'm like trying to protect people. I want to see it through to the end you know because it's a campaign I, I don't care about any of that. I think that there's a lot of roles that have vastly affected the story in ways that you don't know mm-hmm. but they're I do want to be uh, I don't want the players to feel the way that you feel. So I I do have to to work on that. Yeah, but it's not – I don't think it's a fault of
1: you because I – and I've said this to you before. I think it's what you're doing with Delta Green is your best work. And I also don't think it's necessarily a fault of the system. I think that we have sort of as a group gotten into a habit that is worth um, examining and maybe throwing some rocks at. It's not bad per se. It's still – Arguably our most popular show, but I always I think we can do better, and and uh, maybe that means going back into the book a little bit, and you know on our part doing some more homework. And, yeah, uh,
0: I, I agree with you. I do think that there's something to be said for and not to put it on you guys at all. It, it, it's it's a whole group effort, but I do think that that's sort of that's prescient what you're talking about, if that's the right word, with how you guys have begun to approach with this attitude of like, well, we should just role play with each other until the story comes to us, you know, it creates entertaining content, but it's not as fun when you feel like you can drive the story. And, um, and yeah, that's, that, that's a, yeah, it's a fine line. And it's interesting, the, the chemistry of some groups, how they kind of come together, but... Jared Logan turned me on to this book like years ago.
1: And I just recently started reading it. It's a more of a pamphlet than a book. It's like 90 pages. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, as I'm recording more time for chaos, I'm like just trying to surround myself with more stuff to kind of get me in the zone. And it's a book by a guy named Graham Walmsey called playing unsafe. And, uh, I don't think it's particularly enlightening because I've taken, you know, I've studied improv, I've done a lot of improv. If you've never done improv, it's going to seem mind blowing to you. But it is nice sometimes to go back and uh, see things in a systematic fashion. I'm really trying to study systems in general, and one of the things he talks about is, you know, the basic concept of improv. It's like always oh, say yes, right. But like, how interesting is it when like you constantly, if everyone is just saying yes to each other, even if it goes against what you planned, either as a GM or a player, you just say yes and go with it. What ends up happening is you get led down a track. That is probably going to be a more interesting discovery than if you try to push someone onto something else. Now, for what you and I are doing with time for uh, with time for chaos and get in the trunk, it's very difficult because ultimately we've got to move this story forward. Um, but what I'm trying to do, especially with the next season, of time for chaos, is give them the information, let them move it forward, and 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 if it starts to go in ways that I'm not ready for, just lean into it and kind of figure out. While I'm in the mess, whether or not I can get them back on track, because I think that even if I can't right away or, or in, in the most perfect way, I still think something interesting is going to happen. But it's really hard because you don't have any safety net. Even though we pre-record these, we're not editing them. We want them to feel like real gaming sessions. And it's, it's really fucking difficult. But, you know, the more we do this, I think the, the better we're getting at it. It's just, it's tough. It's tough with these pre-written things. And I wouldn't then want to just go. Uh, complete no no event pre-written adventure because I like having that I like having a team of authors that made this for me that I can work with but uh it's a real tough thing balancing the the pre-written with the yeah sure you can do that um, but in general I think that what I'm learning from this is just to say yes more often I think sometimes especially in in Pathfinder I tend to like, be on guard and be like, no, no, you can't do that, you know, because I'm just worried that it's going to lead to something game breaking and nine, nine, 10 times it doesn't. So I'm better off just being like, yeah, sure. Is that what you want
0: to do? Sure. And like, if I think it's ridiculous, just make it more difficult to do rather than being like, don't do that. Uh, Right. That's a great way to behind the scenes, just be like, yeah, go ahead. You know what I mean? And then they're like 27 and you're like, it's a fail. Period. What are you going to say? No, it's not. Right. <laughs> no, it's a fail. You know, like I have the DC. I don't have to tell you what the, the the DC is. I made it harder because I think your idea is ridiculous, but I don't have to tell you your idea. Is right? Like, <laughs> you're excited uh, I, about your idea. Yeah, you should exactly. Be able to try so just say yes, but then make it more difficult. If the dice push it that way, then they push it that way. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, yeah, yeah. I think that there's, let's talk about season five for a second. Yeah. There are some beats in there that you kind of have to hit. And it isn't necessarily that you – that it's railroady. (laughs) It's just that – I mean, it's certainly not railroady if you're looking at what I'm looking at because there are massive entire sections of story that you just didn't do because you weren't interested in them. You didn't pursue them. I mean, there's at least – there's no less than 40 pages of content that you skipped in season five, because yeah. I remember telling you early in the season, I was like, this one part could be two full seasons, depending on the choices that you make. Yeah. Well, you guys made pretty tight choices and, and and moved thing. You know, you were very, very focused on the hospital. You were very, very focused on what you consider to be this kind of this demonology and this like this idea that that uh, Dallin is a demon and <laughs> is orchestrating this massive thing. And you just focused your eyes on him, and and drilled down, and that made things move move pretty quickly. I think that you, um, well, there's, there, there's two things that I think you're, one, I think you're interacting with the story a little bit more than you realize, and two, you're taking some of these things that you're trying to do as a GM, and you're doing them really well as a player, like with Roger, in terms of saying yes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm throwing things at you that are just flat out fucked up you know, and you just kept saying yes, like knowing that this could probably kill your character, but you're you're going with the flow and going with the story. And to me, that created some amazing moments. I mean, the moment with the the needle in the eye and like pulling that stuff out, you know, like you can, you know, we can make that a combat instead, you know, and that's I, it's interesting, I don't think it's as interesting in a cinematic show right like in a in a show I think you saying yes and just your instincts there were really good I, I <laughs> thought that was really good decision making on your part to just keep saying yes, keep not fighting back against it and then see what plays out you know
1: I always think of it as like especially it's because I'm a GM and like I know you're I'm trying to I'm trying to be helpful here because I know <laughs> what it's like when you're brick walling against a player who's not understanding that like what we're doing here. and I've said this before, is a wrestling match. You know what I mean? Like The only difference is the outcome is not predetermined. It's just that we all know that we're in this to tell a good story together. So if I'm just like opposing everything like that can be interesting too right but it's like you kind of have to pick up on the hints like in a wrestling match in the ring they'll be like leaning over each other throw me against the ropes and uh clothesline me and then i'll climb the (laughs) rope it's like we're kind of doing the same thing with but we're just doing it by listening to each other and reacting and i can be like okay it seems like he wants to take the story this way i don't really want to go that way but let's see what happens here because he's he's trying to direct this and i'm I'm a player, so let's go with it and see where, where it leads. And then if it, I don't really don't like it, then I'll push back. But you know, it, it, you kind of, that's part of the yes and as well. But it's really hard, especially there were so many moments in this season where we lost agency. And that's something that doesn't bother me as a GM because I've, I've just gone on record saying I don't really care about player agency. I think it's overrated. Um, <laughs> it's overrated for what we do, you know, in a home game, it can lead to fist fights, but like for what we do. You know, let 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 it happen the way it needs to happen. There's yeah. a lot going on here, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm always I'm always on the side of the GM because I am a GM and I hate having to deal with pain in the ass players. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was there anything that stood out uh, narrative wise this year for you with uh, with Roger, with Vicky, with anybody, uh, or, or the you know the kind of narrative in general that was memorable to you? Anything you walked away from like man? Uh, uh this is when i think of season 5 i think of this
1: yeah i mean i went into the season being like okay season 4 was the was a romance okay and then it ends with some a level of uncertainty and then it was the first episode where we i kind of figured out that we're taking things in a different direction and that all happened in improv in that first episode because we had very, very little planned going into that. So then it became for me as, a, as the, like the dramaturg and the playwright, it's like, all right, so what is, what is going to be the Roger arc here and the Roger Vicky arc, the part that I can plan and then see what happens. And I don't think it quite hit. You know, we had such a, a special uh you know four i think five we needed like a couple more episodes there was just so much investigation going on we couldn't really get to the heart of this like divorced couple seeing each other again and you know kind of falling back into old habits it didn't quite it didn't quite have the the same arc that the, that season four had. And, uh, I, I kept trying to find and it just, I, I, it wasn't there. So I didn't want to force it because there was so much else going on. But it'll be interesting, it's interesting to see now that they're on the, going to be on the lamb together, uh, what, you know, how that may, uh, may take form. There were some great episodes where they, you know, I loved, I loved like getting, having too many drinks and then like, uh, take it take it a, a shower together and be like trying to get her to come up to my airbnb you know, there was some there was some fun stuff there i it needed I think the season I needed to do that a little bit more but you know I'm also trying to share the stage with everybody I don't wanna I don't want to hog stage time and um but yeah that, that's the
0: kind of that's the stuff that I remember what about uh where Roger is now I mean it's interesting because yeah, you're kind of on the lamb together right we sort of end the season with this whole uh you know you you've been exposed, you've been blown up and you're, you're, there's going to be a manhunt, right? Of some kind for you in, in the real world, ostensibly the real world. Uh, What do you think Roger's move is? What do you think think his first move is in this situation?
1: Well, I mean, there's no one more equipped for this than Roger. He's John,
0: he's John Rambo. Like this is exactly. And this is what like (laughs) real quick, like this is what I kind of wanted to get to because you are uh, so frustrated and understandably so Through season four. Mostly season four and a little bit into season five with how much the campaign relied on search roles and you had no points in search. And the whole time I'm just thinking, wait till it gets here at the start of season six where Roger, where his skills are going to shine, you know? Uh, and so yeah, that nobody is better equipped to deal with this than Roger or Bobby, you could say the two of them.
1: Sure. But even Bobby, he folds under the pressure.
0: You know what (laughs) I mean? Like (laughs) he, he, I mean, his sanity is so low. Like yeah, solo. Roger's still
1: keeping it together. This It's first blood, you know what I mean? But what makes it all the more difficult is he's got these three people who are ill-equipped to deal with it. So he has to like protect them or bail on them you know he's not going to bail on vicky but like you saw it in that like fight for the the bottle at the end there or whatever it was like he was taking it from neil he was taking it from bobby but i think he was thinking like to vicky yeah like i got to get her out of there and then we'll deal it's like put your own oxygen mask on before giving it to child is the reverse of that Uh, make sure vicky's safe then we can deal with that but i mean if he was on his own i think he's fine but the fact that he's got this Three, these three suitcases he's got to deal with, it's going to make it, uh, I mean, that's where the drama is going to unfold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think that the Rambo example is perfect. There's also, uh, if you, ever. I don't know if you watched it. I'm sure you didn't watch it. They made a movie or a TV series out of Without Remorse, which is a, a, one of my favorite Tom Clancy novels that like got me into reading for fun. Like I used to just consider reading to be like, shit you did in English class that sucks. you know. And that was one of the books that was like a real page turn, a real beach read kind of thing. And it's just this solo ex-Special Forces dude in Baltimore that is just like, Taking out all of these people that did something wrong, right? And it's just this solo vigilante story that's super badass. And so I could see Roger like just taking out anyone he wants to if he was on his own it'd be so interesting to see how it plays out I, dude
1: i'd never seen rambo my buddy had like rambo toys and growing up everything was rambo 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 and so i just always assumed that it was just like him in vietnam like fucking doing all this stuff like yeah. fighting the viet cong and then i finally as an adult watched first blood and i was like this is not what I thought this movie was. That's what the later movies are, you know, but Holy shit. First blood is a phenomenal movie. Brian Dennehy is the sheriff. I mean, it is, I think about it all the time and that's really what this is. But imagine that's
0: what you're you're heading into. I think it's a really interesting thing to explore. Uh, I thought the same thing. And um, I, I watched Rambo maybe 10 years ago or something like that, you know? And I was just like, God, this is fascinating. Cause when you're older, you're thinking so much more about the psychology of a veteran. And you're thinking about, the you know how people the home front don't understand and how you know there's this disconnect and uh, you know uh, the trained weapon all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I also just recently watched that documentary on Sylvester Stallone that's on Netflix, and he yeah. talks about the development of that script and the changes that he wanted to make uh, to make him more human you know, like, uh, because it, you know, it's kind of originally, you think of as a mindless sort of like, killing machine, right? Like a a government trained weapon that is sort of set loose with no emotion or feeling. And he wanted to make sure that it had more humanity in it. He thought that was important to the story. And uh, I just think that like, uh, it's it's a great combo for Roger. I mean, it really is an interesting analog to where Roger yeah, he's is he's very Rambo-esque.
1: Danger, <laughs> first blood, not me!
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, let's kick it over to the niche and, uh, and go into a little listener mail. <laughs>
1: it's time to listen to mail.
0: Oh, gotta get your brain up on it. Time to listen to mail. start it off with some youtube comments because uh thank you guys so much for writing in with things that you're thankful for we'll kick it off of course with noah jb who says quote it'll be a short fod this week looks at the video length <laughs> 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 you know it uh, we're doing the same thing this week we just we just uh we, we haven't talked over the entire thanksgiving holiday and so no. yeah we need to do, need to do some catching up yeah but we need to do some catching up and um And uh, we get a little bit wordy, but uh, at at Don C, uh, I'm thankful you guys finally came to St. Louis to give us the best show ever. It's a hot one. Uh, what about Mario Varga? I'm just going to say it. The beard looks awesome on Troy. Is this a conscious cool. beard decision? Are you like I'm going beard for the next uh, couple months? Or when you're a for man of my
1: particular virility? <laughs> uh, oh my God, you don't grow the beard, Joe. The beard grows you. <laughs> I, I just I shaved so. yesterday morning. I was completely clean shaven yesterday morning. Are you serious? Just, I my doctor is like concerned with the amount of
0: testosterone in my body. Wow. Wow. Can't uh, help it.
1: Mike Landefeld. Pubes.
0: It's going to try to cut you off, but you, you really wedged it in there. <laughs> you should see my pause for edit. Uh, I shave them three times a day. Friend of the show, Mike Landefeld, our own Sergeant Farva. I'm thankful Sarge. for the community of friends I have found through our shared love of the GCN. My life has been so much richer because of them. Well said. Well said we email
1: from far. I just I emailed him back. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. Uh, Stanbone says, sad to see we didn't get the get in the trunk analysis this week. I'm hoping it's in the next one. I just want to see someone pick Joe's brain. Yeah. I'd love to talk more about it. Write in some questions. Write in comments in this video. And maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more down the line. But yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, writing in with your thoughts. Some really, really sweet messages here. Let's get to uh, it's the nice to have some Sweet messages on the FOD. You don't get that too much anymore. Well, dude, I think you do on YouTube uh, on for YouTube, the most part. YouTube and the people Discord. Are, people the are pretty great on YouTube. doesn't matter. Uh, AdCon says, who is that guy on the right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. This so is my good. thinking
1: beard. I mean, I'm, 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 I have a lot of things I'm thinking about. So when you see this shave, you'll be like, oh, he figured it out.
0: Oh, he figured it it's out. It's all glass cannon related. It's just like, mm-hmm. All right. I got two questions this week. We're already running long, and I, I need to make some time for the second one, which is – this guy wrote in with a question that is going to make me go off. But oh boy. first, let's let uh, let's go to Trifton. Trifton. That's not a real name. Exactly. It sounds like a fake name. Uh, uh, Trifton in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition did great things for, simpl- for simplifying play, but are there any aspects of the rules that you actually wish were more complex? For example, one of my players is unsatisfied with how simplistic grappling slash wrestling is in 2E, but certainly does not wish to return to the PF1E or earlier grappling systems. Mm. Curious if this has come across or come into your mind at all, because you and I both like Chunk. You can get a little bit frustrated. I've seen you with other game systems with simplistic ways of doing things. You're like, I just make a complicated rule for it, and I'll be excited about it. Um, is there anything in PF2E thus far? We've been at it a few years now. I I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I wish was more complicated. I I think, but you go ahead first. Yeah, no, I certainly nothing off the top of my head.
1: And, uh, I've thought about this before, you know, I, I think it's also, um, in many ways, Pathfinder 2E isn't, um, an easier system, but it's also at the same time, not a more complicated system. Streamlined is, is is a good word, but the more I play it, I don't even know if that's accurate. It's it's a different game um, with a lot of changes. And I think that uh, if you were just picking up 2E for the first time without ever having played d d or 1E, it would be like learning uh, Cantonese.
0: It's still very, it's a very rich, thick juicy game. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I think that this interpretation, Trifton, is coming from people that are hardcore gamers. And and look, we are too, to a certain extent. And so I think it's a fair question. I think it's a good question. But I think that that's why our answer of no is a reasonable <laughs> answer. Because I know from playing Blood of the Wild, the amount of times, you know, Paula comes into Tui with a lot of mechanic experience, but no Pathfinder experience. Mary Lou is relatively new to RPGs, only a few years, and Jared has been playing all different systems his whole life. And yeah. the three of them, we consistently, as we go through <laughs> things like, things that we deal with on this show, like concealment, yeah. hidden, undetected, a precise sense, imprecise senses, uh, you know, the some of the... Um, Oh, there was another example. It was on the top of my head that was like Oh, some of the conditions, right? Like enfeebled versus frightened versus what stacks with what or what doesn't stack with. It. And, you know, it, it's it's dense. Like if you dig down into it and you wanna read these rules, I mean, we we're doing tattooing in that game as crafting. It's like a whole <laughs> it's like a whole thing. And there's like the layers of the depth to it are are we have to stop the show. We have to stop yeah. the show, read through it, you know. Everybody's having a good time with it. Everybody's really enjoying digging into those mechanics, but nobody is like, oh, well, that's easy. No one has that <laughs> interpretation of Tui that I play with. I think everybody thinks that it is a, a nice chunky game to sink your teeth into.
1: Here's something. I, I always I don't think I could spot anything. Uh, specific, but I I wouldn't mind magic being a little more complicated. That's something that's always interested me is just having magic be uh, less, uh, you know, accessible, less accessible, more yeah. difficult not, to access. Not doing a low magic game, but just making it like I think in 1E, you know, with the concentration checks and the casting defensively, those little wrinkles. I, I maybe yeah. I do miss those sometimes, especially now when I'm like standing right next to you. Uh, you know, you I still get that attack uh, of opportunity, but there was that extra element of like. I just lost the spell. Um, you know, and that does still happen, but th- those little wrinkles, I don't think I miss meta magic feats per se, but I do like a, another layer of complexity around magic. Magic should be a little more wild, I feel, and then as you get, you level up,
0: you, you're able to control that
1: a little bit better.
0: Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. That's interesting.
1: But I'm kind of grasping even saying that.
0: Yep. All right, let's go to our second question here. This one, I mean, this question blows my mind. It's so funny, and uh, as somebody, myself, who has spent a lot of time studying and being trained in public speaking, I thought that this was an interesting question to, to delve into, and we'll do it fast. This one's from Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. Hi. I find I get quite distracted by frequent speaking tics and fillers, such as, um, uh, you know, kind of infrequent uses doesn't get to me, but when they become frequent or too excessive, I find myself mentally checking out. My GM consistently uses fillers all the time. Any suggestions on how I can gently address this with my GM, or if the issue is with <laughs> me, any suggestions on how I get over my hang up. P.S. to any GMs listening, please consider reducing your use of fillers. It might boost your players' enjoyment. Oh boy. Eddie, I mean, first of all, very bold to send this in. Uh, This is a a tricky situation because it can be very sensitive. It can be, it's a very sensitive issue. So let me start by saying, I use too many fillers. I have these little speaking ticks and I'm trained. (laughs) And I constantly listen back to myself and think, would you shut up? With filling every available second of air with sound. Like you don't need to constantly yeah. make sounds. But when you're in it, you're in the moment, it, it takes a great deal of discipline to know how to not do that. Yeah. And so I suffer from it and, and I understand the idea of telling someone that they have this problem and they need to fix it is, uh, is pretty mind blowing. I mean, what your thoughts? The word you're looking for is impossible. Impossible. That's the word. That's just, the word.
1: If it's really a problem, you're going to have to go find a new GM. <laughs> you're going to have to drop out of that game and go find a perfect human being uh, to run <laughs> Go find the perfect. How can you say that to someone? It can't be done. And this is coming from a guy that is like, just tell him or move on. Um right. I think, yeah, no, you've got to. You've just got to go find a new GM. It's hard. I don't know if I still do it. I'm sure I do, but lately I've been going. Back to listen to old Giant Slayers just as we're um, putting ads in the old thing. So I'm just the listening back to very, the back catalog. So I'm listening and trying to find spots to put these fucking ads in. And like, I hear it and I'm like, oh, LaValle, what are you doing with these ums and ahs? I hope you got rid of these. This is amateur hour. Um, so I hope that I say, um, I
0: hope that I've gotten better at it, uh, but it's, it's, it's really hard. It's really I, tricky. I wish I was better at it than I have become. I, I do. It is a goal I constantly work towards. Let me tell one quick story that you'll appreciate. I think I've told you this story before there. When I was in my old job, we had a client uh, who shall remain nameless, who there were reports from casting directors. In oh, city. I know this story. Yeah. That this, I know this story. Yeah, there are reports that this actor smelled, <laughs> right? So whatever it was, stinky, I, can't, he was stinky. I honestly can't remember if it was a BO situation or like a halitosis type situation, but the person was obviously struggling with something and they smelled. So casting directors contact this person's agent, who's my boss at the time, and uh, says- I, I, this guy's going to lose out on work because of this. Like we, we can't bring him in. Like people are complaining in the waiting room. I mean, it's awful, right? So my boss has to call this person in, close the door behind them and have this conversation with with a person who is in their 50s, maybe 40s, 50s and a totally clean cut, normal looking dude. Like You wouldn't. No, right until you got you know close or whatever it was. So when he left, our friend who we've mentioned many times uh, on the show, Ambrosia, uh, who was my coworker at the time, <laughs> uh, went up to my boss after they, he had this conversation. Uh, he, my friend Matt, goes up to my boss and is like, "I just want you to know, you have my lifetime respect <laughs> for having that conversation. How on earth did you do it?" Like, how did you even have that conversation? I can't imagine asking your GM to tighten up their uh, their tics, uh and speaking fillers. It is impossible, is the correct word. You have to get a different GM. But I will say, all that said, Eddie, I get it. Because if I'm listening for it, it'll drive you mad. Like, yeah. if you're listening to a speaker and you're paying attention to any ums, us, or kind ofs, or you knows, and that's all you hear, you start to like, like, it'll drive you mad. You have to find a way to tune it out. And I'm fine at at tuning it out from time to time. It's like getting a song stuck in your head. Sure. How do you tell somebody to not get the song stuck in their head? Like, (laughs) you can't. And so I I understand how you struggle with it, Eddie. But like, the problem is with you. And there's no way for you to fix that. (laughs) Unless you think differently. Yeah. it's If it really bothers you, it's, you're going to have to move on. (laughs) You're going to have to move on. And when your friend asks, why
1: are you leaving the game? You have to be like, I don't know. (laughs) Because you can't even tell him why. (laughs) You can't even tell him why. I'm busy any night you ever want to play a (laughs) game.
0: So sorry. (laughs) Oh God. It's so fucking funny. But uh, I appreciate the reminder. In fact, you know what? It's very possible that Eddie is a slick operator And really was doing the, like, asking for a friend thing, but really he's just trying to tell me to ease off on my fillers. Uh, So, (laughs) message received, Eddie. I'll keep working on it. Uh,
1: Yeah, I know. This was, like, I'm secretly Eddie. (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now that would be smooth. That would be smooth. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, well, that's uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for hanging out uh, post-Thanksgiving, chilling with us for a little FOD. Accione um we uh episode 11 airs this week so Ooh. we're back baby Thursday night episode 11 is Woo. airing and we'll talk all about it uh, on next week's VOD but for those that are coming to Philly we'll see you at the city winery this Friday night for those that are bopping around packs unplugged hopefully we see you on the floor I'll be there all weekend looking forward to it play those play the, play us out Troy with the little air drums. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at jointhenache.com.